So Gunnar, how are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I was a little distracted. I just got the lollipop on my phone here. Oh, oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Swipe, swipe, swipe. It's yeah. very fluid, this interface. Mm -hmm. It's very, mm -hmm. very fluid. It's like, uh, oh, it's just very pleasant. It feels very responsive. Anyway, we should talk about this on the show. We should, I, uh, it deserves a whole episode, probably. We should do a whole episode about this. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, and and right. I guess we could warn people right now that if, if you're an iOS person, just move on to the next episode. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be this is going to be one of those annoying tech review podcasts. Um, so if you are not interested in that kind of thing, move along. Uh, yeah. Nothing to see here. You should not feel bad about skipping this one. Yeah. Well, we will actually. We we are going to be talking about some uh, other things too about people getting uh, having their Fitbit rat them out and stuff. So we'll have fun with mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. I think we're I think we're going to take a distinctly Dave and Gunner angle on the uh, on the lollipop release. I think that's fair mm -hmm. to say. Yep, absolutely. So beyond figuring out Lollipop, anything else going on? Uh, yeah, so I got this firmware update, speaking of Fitbit. Um, mm -hmm. The good folks at Fitbit uh, suffered to update my, my little Fitbit bracelet here, which uh, had never happened before, and uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at it. I was like, oh, neat, I can actually update the update the i didn't even know you could do a firmware update on this and lo and behold they updated it changed the font gave it a couple new features which was nice um, my favorite so far is that uh you can tell fitbit to scroll the incoming number on a phone call um, mm. on your wrist so now okay. uh if i've got my phone in my pocket and my little bluetooth headset on um it will uh, do a little discrete notification on my on my bracelet as to which number mm. and if i and if it's an identified number it'll actually scroll the person's name across the the face of the fitbit um, oh, that's which nice. is kind of nice yeah it keeps me from uh, buying an apple watch for the next six months i suppose so, <laughs> yeah well how did it tied me how did over the, so so how did the update happen was it like you plugged in your usb port or and it just showed up or no well so the uh the Fitbit bracelet itself is uh, the only time I ever plug it in is into a side, into a wall socket. Uh, it connects okay. wirelessly to your phone or to your computer. And right. I just picked up my phone one day and I got a notification from the Fitbit app that said, uh, Hey, there's a new firmware update. Um, do you want to go ahead and do that now? And I was like, well, sure. And so hit the button and you know, little swirly things started moving. And, uh, five minutes later I had a, I had a brand new bracelet. Oh, okay. So, so the phone pulled the software down and gave it to the bracelet, or the bracelet reached out on the internet and pulled it down, or uh, I, I believe the phone pulled it down on the bracelet's behalf and then bestowed it on the phone, or bestowed okay. it on the bracelet. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it huh. was it was a very pleasant experience. I did and basically foolproof. Um, I don't know if I could, uh, I don't know if I could have designed it any better. Actually, they get the they should get full marks for doing for such a potentially dangerous operation. It uh, it went off without a hitch. So yeah, which is great. Nice, nice. Well yeah. done, well done. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm just trying to figure out this whole lollipop thing. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, maybe this maybe this episode will help. Yes, maybe this episode yeah. will help. All right. So, if folks want links uh, to some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, uh, some of the lollipop sweetness, um, where, where are they going to go, Dave? They want to go to dgshow.org. So, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner Show.org. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is usually the time when we mention the cutting room floor. Mm hmm. There's yep. no cutting room floor. This is all red meat. Yes, this week. totally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so you got the you got the OTA. Uh, yeah. You know, updated to the latest version of Android. Um, yeah. What are your What are your first impressions? 
Well, I was surprised how quickly it came out. Um, you know, because I know that typically I've my experience was that when an OTA update happens, it's like took like weeks to come out, and a lot of people would just sideload to to get past it. But for me, it was surprisingly, you know, like I was traveling, so the last thing I want to do is update my phone while I'm traveling. Um, hmm. But I got home, and and it was probably about a week, uh, and then it popped up. So that I thought that was pretty cool. Um, oh, that is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And overall, the the fit and finish is is kind of nice and and polished and everything. But there there are some things that um, either they remove some stuff or they move some things around that just uh, I don't know if I care for it. So like like one of the things is uh, you know you and I we're in meetings a lot. We're in we're on airplanes a lot, and so having the ability to rapidly go into airplane mode. Or uh, put your phone on vibrate um, mm -hmm. was like non-obvious or several steps compared to having to uh, do it um, the old way where you would hold in the power button and then it's like, oh, I want to mute or I hold in the power button and, oh, I want to do airplane mode. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas it seems that now you have to press in the volume button and hold it in until it gets the whole way down to zero and then it turns into vibrate mode. And I don't know of any other way to put it into airplane mode outside of unlocking the phone and going through the settings, unless I'm missing it. So from the lock screen, if you hit the volume down button, you'll get a slider for the volume, but you'll also mm -hmm. get three options, none, priority, and all, mm -hmm. and uh, which I really like. Uh, mm -hmm. So all means anyone can blow you up. Um, mm -hmm. None means nobody can blow you up, obviously, and totally silent. Mm -hmm. And then uh, priority means only people who uh, have a particular status on your phone um, mm -hmm. can get through, which is I really like. Um, and do you know that you, did you notice that you can also schedule that? So actually, I have from <laughs> from eight p.m. to eight a.m. Uh, I've actually set it up so that basically only my immediate family and my wife can call me, um, oh. and everything else it remains silent, uh, which is mm -hmm. I am enjoying a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't realize exactly how distracted I could get from, you know, text messages or hangouts and stuff like that. Yeah. It's fine if I kind of stumble into them, if I pick up my phone on purpose, um, yeah. but to have a ring or a vibrate, uh, when that stuff happens, uh, anyway, I, I really enjoy that feature and I like that I can, uh, that I can schedule it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty, pretty great. Oh, and you know, if you go into a meeting, you know, the worst thing, what's the worst thing that happens when you mute for a meeting and you forget to unmute it and then you miss the phone yep. call, right? Yep. Um, yep. they added the option to, uh, to, you can mute for an hour, and then it will return yes. the phone to the previous setting, which is awesome. That's just great. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, but and then I guess to put it into vibrate mode, the old-fashioned way, you gotta um, push the button to bring the lock screen up, and then hold the volume down button until it uh, until it goes into vibrate mode, or or you hit the setting for mm -hmm. silent mo uh, for silent mode. But silent mode will not even vibrate, if I understand it correctly. I think that's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Although that may, be an, that may be an option. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I didn't use vibrate okay. very much. Yeah. Oh, so, I, yeah. I do all the time. Um, wh what about airplane mode, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, so airplane mode, you can actually, I don't know if you know this, from the lock screen, you can still swipe down the little curtain from the top. Oh. See that? Okay. All right. So, all right. Next. And they've also added, uh, so they've got uh, airplane mode, and they've also added you uh, a handy flashlight option, which iOS has had for a while. Um, yes. and you can do other stuff like turn the radios on and off and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's not bad at all. I, I didn't know where that was. So I'm glad I found mm -hmm. that. 
Yeah, some of okay. the stuff is not obvious. Did you notice there's also a uh, one thing overall in this new version of Android is that they've taken a lot of the options and buried them deeper in the menus. So kind of the more obscure yeah. the thing is, they've made it kind of further away uh, from a UX yes. point of view. Um, mm-hmm. So one of them is uh, app notifications. I don't know if you I don't know if you looked at this. Um, you actually like iOS, which makes this more prominent. Um, you can have, there's one sc- configuration screen that has all of the notification options for all of the apps you have installed. So kind of mm. from one place, you can configure all that stuff, which I really like. Instead of hunting yeah. around in each individual app, depending, you know, and they're, all their UIs are different, you can do it all from one place. One of the things that I found missing was um, the screen widgets. And, and screen widgets are not, the only reason why I use screen widgets was for BeyondPod. Like I, I didn't like having to unlock my mm-hmm. phone to mm-hmm. go into the podcast app, to start the podcast app. Um, and, and now it's sort of like if I have it running, it will show up on the, on the screen. But for as soon as I like pause it and for a while, it'll ultimately close. So I still need to unlock, go into the podcast app and start it again. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, we're, I, I, we're, that's right, the widget yeah. would always be living on the, it's like I hit the power button, I could hit mm-hmm. the play button, and it was like mm-hmm. two buttons and I'm done. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I, I guess I thought I wasn't using lock screen widgets, but I suppose I. Well, I never understood how to install those things anyway. Um, oh, it was so hard. Confusing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really, really confusing. Um, so yeah, that's all right. Um, I don't really. I don't. I suppose I miss the being able to start Beyond Pod from the from the lock screen, but um, I'll live. I'll live a full and rich life without that. Um, yeah. Have you turned on Google now? Yes. Yes. So, so one of the things that I was jealous, my wife's Moto X, I was jealous of is the voice commands from it. So mm-hmm. like from a lock state, you could wake the phone up with, okay, Google, and then give it an order and it would go do stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've actually added that feature now to anyone with Lollipop. Um, so, uh, depending, your phone has to support it. Um, and mm-hmm. it is battery drain cause it's kind of constantly listening to your microphone, but, yep. uh, you can turn on Google now and it doesn't just have to be on the home screen. You can make it so that Google now works on any open screen, um, uh, which, which is kind okay. of nice. Yeah. And, but if the screen lock is on, it doesn't work. You, right? Yeah. You have the option to turn that on. Our, our company won't let us use that. I think yes. uh, they've turned that off for good reason. Yes. I think, yep. uh, cause you don't want to yes. be able to order your phone to do stuff without unlocking it. But, um, but I think uh, those unencumbered by a diligent uh, security team uh, yes. can probably uh, can probably turn that on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, speaking of locks, um, mm-hmm. the, I'm really liking the uh, smart lock feature. Oh yeah! When I, I completely st- I was just kind of poking around the configuration screens and like stumbled into it, and I was like, yeah. "Are you kidding? Like this is this is a game changer." Yeah, yeah. So there there were two that I found useful. Um, one is for trusted devices. So basically right now, the way our phones are set up to be connected to corporate email, we have to enter a a pin every time we want to unlock the screen and all that. Um, Where now, if you have your phone paired to a Bluetooth headset, like in your car or like just a earbud sort of one, um, your phone will automatically unlock. It doesn't prompt you for the pin if you have that pairing complete. So the assumption is you have a, a smart uh, or you have a trusted device nearby, and it's almost like a, a factor for authentication um, as opposed to having to type a pin in, which I, I thought was pretty cool from a, a safety standpoint, especially if you're, like, driving. And then mm-hmm. the other one that I found is a trusted face. 
where it will so like with our corporate email i believe that that feature is turned off but on my tablet where i don't have the corporate mail installed um i i have it trust my face as far as um like it it will turn the camera on when it goes to unlock and if it gets a good picture of my face it will unlock based upon my face so it's pretty great that's pretty great yeah. was that was that not available in previous in kitkat wasn't that a I never saw it, so okay. maybe it okay. did exist, and I, I didn't see it. Um, I do know I, I do I know that, that they've improved cool. it. Uh, yeah. I do, yeah, I do know that they've improved that feature because, like, before you could just show like a picture of your face, and it would work. Um, yeah. Apparently, apparently, it's harder to do that now. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, let's see what else on the a lot of a lot of stuff on the lock screen. It's like it's yes. almost like we never figured out how to unlock it, and all we can do is talk about the lock screen. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, one nice thing on the lock screen, and it was a very nice touch, is uh, when it's plugged in to charge. Uh, after a while, it kind of figures out how much current is running through it, and it will give you an estimate of how long you have to charge it. So right now yes. it says three minutes until full. I love that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Nice little nice little piece of polish, as you say. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't do the percent though, does it anymore? Uh, it's not like ninety eight percent. It well, will give you the. It gives you the percent up on the up on the menu at the top. Uh, okay. And then the and then the the estimated time to completion at the bottom. So. Oh okay. Yep. Yeah. So you're all covered. All right. Good. So have you been, have you played with the? Uh, do you have a, you have a uh, Chromecast? I can't remember. I have a Chromecast in a box. Um, so we we. <laughs> We use the uh, we have a Roku three and it's like we just love it and use it every day and and it's like awesome and from what I understand I can I can do screencasting with the Roku as well as a Chromecast but I um, and I've done a little bit with even even before Lollipop of being able to have Netflix on my tablet or on my phone and then basically take that stream and then push it to the Roku or be watching Netflix on the Roku and then pull that stream onto my tablet so I could just walk around the house and not miss a beat, which is pretty awesome. Like a, like a wizard. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, um, yeah I do something similar with a, uh, with a Netflix and, the, and mm-hmm. the Chromecast. I've, uh, in fact, I use that a lot. In fact, my, <laughs> my, my wife and her friends uh, will get together and get together on our couch and uh, turn, on the, uh, turn on the projector and... Mm-hmm. Uh, throw uh and then uh, do a they'll turn on the projector uh cast the screen and then fire up tinder uh and then uh, kind of collaboratively rate uh the boys who swipe by um very uh very fun kind of slumber party activity um let lauren know i don't even know what tumber what is it tinder 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 so so it's a so it's like a dating app and i use dating in the loosest possible way uh so you open up the app and uh, you are presented with a face of someone who you may like to date. And if you like mm-hmm. them, you swipe to the one direction. And if you don't like them, you swipe in the other direction. And uh, through, this, uh, through this filtering mechanism, it then matches you with somebody who is, um, if not perfect for you, uh, perfect for you right now. Um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> so it's like hot or not, but with, yes, I guess, exactly. but it's usable yeah, hot or, or something. Yeah, hot or not with chat capabilities is a good way to describe oh. it, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so it's fun if you get uh, get five folks together on a couch and uh, everyone can uh, collectively uh, rate uh, or uh, everyone can uh, collaboratively rate uh, your friends, uh, your friends candidates. Um, so that's a fun that's a fun activity, apparently. 
Um, right. Anyway, Chromecast is handy, <laughs> for, I'm sure, for other reasons. I noticed that I was I started playing with Spotify um, as well because I'm an old man and uh, never really played with Spotify until recently. And uh, mm-hmm. I was frustrated because I couldn't send Spotify to uh, to my Chromecast. There's no there's no button there because Spotify wants you to pay the money uh, for mm-hmm. extra stuff in order to make that mm-hmm. possible. But I realized with Lollipop, I can actually cast my entire phone's screen up to uh, up to the to the Chromecast, uh, mm-hmm. and then start Spotify, and the audio just automatically goes through uh, the Chromecast, which is great. Mm. Okay, that'll be cool because that's one thing that has been like I could do, like the NFL game rewind uh, on my mm-hmm. tablet, but I can't. It, at least in the past, I couldn't cast it to my screen, so I would have to get like a laptop or a Chromebook and plug it into the HDMI port and send it that way. Um, yeah. yeah. So this would be a nice way to 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 do that. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll yep. to try that. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, let's talk about some stuff I don't like. Uh, the new calendar. Jeepers. Yeah. The new calendar is like uh, chewing on a Jolly Rancher. It's just uh, it's just like big blocks of color. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Dave, but I've got, I probably have 18 calendars uh, mm-hmm. for various reasons. And mm-hmm. frequently I am, I am like double booked for stuff. And so I'll have yep. events like three or four deep. Um, and the new calendar does not handle that very well at all. Um, yeah. it just kind of, uh, before you were, uh, before it would show them side by side if they were conflicting. And now mm-hmm. it, uh, now it shows them in serial, like just a bunch of, like a, actually literally like a stack of Jolly Ranchers. Um, mm-hmm. I'm finding it difficult to intuitively discover whether I'm double booked for something or not. Um, when I'm in the, when I'm in the day view. Anyway, I just don't, I don't, I just don't like it. I also noticed that, um, with the advent of uh, Inbox, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, Google has started uh, entering flight information into my calendar, um, yes. which, no thank you. Uh, I'm not yes. interested in that. I, TripIt does that much better than you do. Uh, so yes. please stop doing that. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah we have, but we should save that for the, uh, for the Inbox discussion. Um, and then also email is no longer email, is it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing I'm... Um, not liking as much. So the email app is now a stub that points you to the Gmail app, which is fine if you only have a uh, you know your Gmail account. But uh, to link to me, it's and maybe there's an easy way to do it. But it seems really cumbersome to go to your work email and to your Gmail mail. Um, it's it's a couple more clicks than than having like two separate apps and bouncing back and forth. Yeah, I found that cumbersome as well, uh, although I am also happy to see the email app retired because uh, that thing was creaky, um, yes. just not not really polished, not very friendly. Um, yep. So I'm happy to have the Gmail interface, um, although I do wish it was, yeah, two separate apps or if they at least made it a little bit easier to switch between uh, between accounts. Um, I'm finding, it, you know, you, you hit the upper left-hand corner and then it gets this little swoopy... Uh, animation that lets you choose which face you want to use. Um, so, I mean, it's intuitive enough, but uh, yeah, it's still more clunky than switching between apps for whatever yep. reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it gets confusing, right? Because for myself, I'm using Google's inbox uh, service, which is kind of mm-hmm. like next-gen Gmail or whatever. And uh, so now I'm in the confusing situation where if I want to read my email, I go to Gmail. And if I want to read my Gmail, I have to go to inbox. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That seems like a UX failure. Well, the the email app, I don't like. To me, I think it behaves differently. Where the the Gmail will do threading, or not threading, but it at least will bundle the emails together. Whereas mm-hmm. the 
corporate email still treats everything as individual emails and doesn't group yes. them. That's correct. Yeah. So it's not and a it's not a Gmail UX experience with the corporate email. That's true, and I'm not sure that there's a way to 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 solve that. I'm not sure if that's like a setting that we can flip. I haven't found one. Um, it seems it seems conspicuous by its absence. It seems like something yeah. they would have added. Um, yeah, I don't know, but overall, um, I'm pretty happy with uh, with this update. I'm happy to have it. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I like it a lot. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you noticed uh, any change in battery or uh, performance? I haven't. I haven't. I've heard some bad reports about the 2012 Nexus Seven not being. Um, and my my wife and daughter have them, and they haven't had the update pushed to them yet. So I wonder if they're. I think there might be some problems still with them, with the, the 2012 Nexus 7. So, you know, it's a, one thing I was really looking forward to was the, uh, the SE Linux integration, and I'm uh, just a little disappointed that I don't even notice that it's turned on. Yeah, yeah, I at least need to be able to run GetEnforce and feel good about it. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's, and I'm sure Dan is sitting sitting there listening to this. Uh, Dan Walsh saying, uh, you know, heck yeah! It's like I I was poking around in the settings looking for that. It's like I want I want to see where it says enforcing, but it's it's just I guess so transparent that you don't even need to tell people it's there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so, um, which is I suppose how it should be. Um, although mm-hmm. for SE Linux nerds like us, I guess a little disappointing. Yeah, a little disappointing. That's all right. Again, we'll live. Well, maybe we need to write an app that just all it does just do get enforce and then just puts a <laughs> a green checkbox on, on the Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, sell it for ninety nine cents and you and I and Dan Walsh will buy it probably. Yeah, so. and Major Hayden. Yeah, just the, the four <laughs> right. of us. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, although, it, so it's nice to have, and it's nice that uh, we can now use SE Linux to kind of isolate Android OS components from apps and apps from each other. Uh, but that doesn't actually solve all the security problems. I saw recently there was a somebody described an exploit uh, that mm-hmm. involved the Android clipboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you copy text and then paste it into another app, uh, it, it apparently is vulnerable to sniffing um, from applications that have um, the certain permissions enabled and the permissions don't obviously say like, Hey, this person can read your clipboard. Um, mm. so that becomes really interesting when you're using something like LastPass, right. Or one password, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. where you're copying your password from that app into another one. Um, anyway, that seemed tricky. Um, I'll, I'll include a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. But I'm glad people are aware of that. And that, that sounds like something somebody should be working on to fix. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Um, oh, hey, uh, speaking of security, did you uh, hear the news about uh, TechSecure? Yeah, what's what's going on there? Yeah, so they, uh, they unveiled uh, their integration with uh, WhatsApp. Um, yeah. So, if, uh, so now WhatsApp is actually using the TechSecure backend. Yeah, so let's rewind a little bit. What, what mm-hmm. is TechSecure and WhatsApp? Yeah, so TechSecure is, uh, is a replacement for the text messaging app on the Android phone. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why you would replace the text messaging app on your Android phone is that TechSecure uh, pretty much transparently encrypts all of your text messages if the other person is, obviously, if the other person is using TechSecure. Um, so it's, it, it's notable because, it, as I say, it is basically frictionless. Um, it works without you even noticing that you're using it. Um, you know, when you get an encrypted session, um, the little speech bubbles turn up blue instead of green, and you're off to the races. Um, so really nice app, really well done, a lot of polish. 
and uh, it's all open source. It's all up on GitHub for you if you're into that. And uh, WhatsApp, recently bought by Facebook, um, took the tech secure kind of secure messaging protocol and and I presume code, um, and now included it in their IM application. Mm -hmm. So what and that's notable because WhatsApp has got literally millions of users and just mm -hmm. kind of overnight. WhatsApp just encrypted uh, millions of users' uh, text messages, so which hmm. is great. Okay, yeah. So WhatsApp doesn't necessarily communicate with Tech Secure, right? It's just it's it's just using the same source code base uh, for its backend. Right. I don't know if they will actually interoperate. I frankly don't know anybody using WhatsApp. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but uh, since they made this announcement, I, I haven't noticed. T Tech Secure will tell you who's registered as a secure user. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't seen that list suddenly grow. Uh, mm -hmm. So I presume there's either no interoperability or they haven't uh, turned it on yet. Um, but it's the same backend, so I suppose it wouldn't be that difficult to, to make that possible. Um, mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting, though, is that it's Facebook, right? Uh, notorious mm -hmm. human snooper, uh, mm -hmm. or snooper of humans. And they, why would Facebook enable this encryption? And I saw this one guy on Twitter brought up a great point, which is that uh, they don't actually care about what you're talking about. They care about who you're talking to, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to create a, uh, they're trying to create a graph of your connections. And what better way to do that than see, just like phone records, see who you're text messaging with and who's text messaging you. Um, yep. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Like, you know, everyone's worried about people reading their stuff. Um, and sometimes it's actually even more interesting for a company to be, or a government, uh, to be looking at who you're talking to, uh, regardless yes. of what the content of that conversation is. Yep, exactly. Suppose, so speaking of uh, metadata, um, and we're talking about Fitbit, um, I saw there's now uh, Fitbit data is now being used in the courtroom. That is cool. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty great. Um, all right, because I guess a Fitbit knows uh, my velocity and my activity and all that other stuff, and um, presumably that well, how do they use it in in court? What would be what would be useful about that? Yep. So a uh, so a law firm in Calgary is um, they're doing the first personal injury case that will use activity data from a Fitbit to show the effects of an accident on their client. So um, you know you could have somebody wearing a Fitbit, they get into an accident, and all of a sudden they're you know they're they're motor impaired and they can't move at all. Um, you can compare the before and after um, to help uh, figure out uh, uh, damages. That makes a lot of sense to me. That makes yep. a lot of sense to me. Huh? Interesting. Um, so I guess if I get into an accident, I should just take my Fitbit off and leave it on my desk for a couple weeks, uh, just yeah. to demonstrate exactly how how much damage they've done. Strap it to a guinea pig. Yep. <laughs> guinea pig. not very active those guinea pigs they're not yeah uh, uh, yeah gunner likes a lot of lettuce right um yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's right yeah and they were also not just using that to collect the data but they were also I, I guess they were comparing it to um the baselines of you know I, and you know you have the fitbit i don't but mm. can you compare your activity against all the other Fitbit users and to see whether you're above average or below average in terms of activity? Yes, they make a game of this. So when you go to the yeah. Fitbit dashboard, they show you all the stats of like how you slept and uh, number of steps, number of stairs, distance traveled, all that stuff. And then there's a little widget over in the corner that shows all the friends you've connected with and it shows yeah. their steps. Uh, yeah. so my wife consistently shames me every week, uh, to the tune of about 15 to 20,000 steps, 
uh, every mm. week. She she just blows me out of the water. Um, I got a friend of mine who's uh, as soon as he got his Fitbit, he's very competitive and uh, decided to start walking to work. Um, and work for him is like four miles away. Uh, wow. So yeah, he's turning in eighty thousand steps easy wow. every week. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a shameful. So, so but yes, with this, yeah. yeah. So with this lawsuit, I think one of the things that they're doing is that they're recording this lady's data, but also comparing that to the average of uh, of people in her age group and uh, profession, and um, and using that as a way to show the jury to help calculate uh, damages. Uh, so I guess the I guess what's significant about this, and this is in Calgary, so I guess this is in Canada, but um, I guess this would. The whole the, the the big deal here is that it's setting a precedent for mm-hmm. Fitbit evidence being admissible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also like like you said, I mean, or you know, and I said, it's like, well, I could you could give it to somebody else, right, and let them wear it. Um, I could strap it to a guinea pig, or I could <laughs> leave it on my desk, and you, you there there's no way to it's it's not like an ankle bracelet. Um, where it's sort of like welded to your, to your ankle or to your body. Right. Um, right. So it's, I can imagine it being possible to be faked. Yeah, and you can imagine uh, also insurers, right, uh, mm-hmm. who would, uh, as soon as you get into an accident, they would mandate that you wear one of these trackers um, yes. so that they can establish your level of activity um, yes. after, the, uh, after the event, which uh, is not fun uh, and not something I think I would enjoy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and also for, um, you know, would it be discoverable too? Like, mm-hmm. so right now this is being used by the the people doing the lawsuit. But could somebody else that is suing you say that, hey, I, you know, I, I want to get Gunner's Fitbit data for whatever purpose, and um, and and you know, to so instead of using your own data to support your claims, you could have it could be used against you. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So what's the, what is the threat model here? Um, I can imagine if I'm trying to defraud someone, right. Uh, I can imagine the Fitbit working against me, but I'm trying to imagine a circumstance under which the fit, the, the data that the Fitbit is collecting would incriminate me in some way. Um, let's say I'm, um, somebody is saying they're on disability and they're wearing a Fitbit and then, mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you get a hold of that data and find out that oh they're a marathon runner and they're actually not physically disabled. Oh no, I understand in that direction. I'm thinking in the other uh-huh. direction. Like like I said, okay. like I can see how this would betray me if I'm trying to defraud someone. Um, okay. But I'm trying to imagine if there's anything bad privacy wise or security wise that could happen to me if somebody if I wasn't trying to defraud anyone and someone got my Fitbit data. Well, I guess that's similar to the claim of. Uh, it's like, well, if I'm not doing anything bad, um, mm-hmm. what do I have to worry about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. suppose that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. This, this seems to fall in that uncanny valley in privacy of like creepy, but not explicitly threatening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I can see like it, it would weird me out if somebody saw all my Fitbit data. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, it doesn't actually tell them anything particularly useful about me, um, yes. except that uh, I stay up too late and wake up too early. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Okay. So the so uh, no. I okay. Now this is now clear to me. So as you say, this is very similar to if you if you're not if you don't have anything to hide, then what are you worried about? And the mm-hmm. flaw with that argument, of course, is figuring out uh, who gets to decide uh, what's good and bad, 
right? Yes. Um, somebody could arbitrarily decide that people who wake up after six o'clock in the morning or wake up before six o'clock in the morning are uh, antisocial miscreants um, who must be locked up, right? And yep. I would have no way of concealing that information from this, uh, this oppressive new law. Now, obviously, that's a silly example, but um, this would give people a bunch of additional information um, on which they could make a bunch of flawed decisions um, completely out of my power, right? Yeah, or, or I guess the other part is like future crime, where, um, mm -hmm. say, cigarette smoking wasn't, you know, 30 years ago, was it didn't have the same stigma that it does today. And if, mm -hmm. and if it says that, oh, I've smoked for, you know, I, I have 20 years of smoking data, but I, I quit smoking 10 years ago and I'm feeling just great, um, should that be used against you for insurance purposes or not? Or, I, or, or also things like, um, I'm riding a motorcycle and I go 100 miles an hour, and, and should that have an effect on my, you know, insurability? Maybe mm -hmm. I don't know. Or I'm uh, I'm an employer, and uh, before I hire you, I'm going to be responsible for your health insurance, and so I would like to see your Fitbit data, please, because I need to know what kind of, how active a person you are, so I know what kind of a health insurance liability you're going to be. Yep. True. Yeah, just Look like uh, drug testing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just so. Yep. Um, see, if we just think hard enough, we can turn anything into a weapon. This is what yep. we're good at, Dave. Yep. So, so you need to get a guinea pig and put the Fitbit on a guinea pig right now. <laughs> That's right. Quantified <laughs> guinea pig. Yeah, like a burner burner Fitbit. On a <laughs> <laughs> you can That's hand great. it in any time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, speaking of privacy intrusions, uh, I started uh, I started using Inbox as I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Um, yep. I'm really i I thought it would be gimmicky. Uh, but I am actually enjoying it. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, and I, it's difficult to describe because uh, the it's not very different from regular Gmail, just a kind of a simplified interface. Um, mm -hmm. There's not very many knobs to turn, um, which is maybe one of the reasons why I like it so much. Because um, mm -hmm. I don't fiddle. I'm not worried about you know filtering, especially. Um, I do kind of naturally. So like what Inbox does is. Uh, automatically group your emails into uh, kind of categories that Google defines, right? So there's like social media updates, financial, mm -hmm. travel, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I guess I'm fortunate in that I I kind of agree with a lot of Google's decisions on where stuff should end up. Um, mm -hmm. And I also, when I'm processing email, also prioritize stuff roughly according to those same categories. So it kind of mm -hmm. it goes into my nat it, it falls naturally into my triage process. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of enjoying it. In fact, I'm enjoying it so much that I'm no longer reading Gmail on my conventional mail client, uh, and I'm actually uh, checking Gmail through the inbox through the web interface, um, mm. which I, I surprised myself by doing that. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't think that that's what I'd be doing, but sure enough, there I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know in the last uh, or the previous episode uh, sixty nine, uh, we were talking about email, and you don't do any filtering at all. And yep. so you have a steady stream and having things like filtered by a robot and bundled helps you where mm -hmm. I'm the exact opposite where I have everything filtered. I'm like obsessive compulsive about it. And then like I'm not I don't like inbox at all because like the bundles are it's like, what are you doing bundling these? This isn't the way I want it. And right. um you know, it's 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 pretty crazy because I, I have stuff like in my Gmail for trips. I have stuff where I have things automatically filtered. I, I have filter set up with, say, like TripIt, 
with a workflow that will forward things and all that. Um, but it will also tag it as travel. And then I'll still go in there and say that, oh, well, this is travel to, and I have another tag for Raleigh, another one for DC, another one for uh, Westford and, you know, different places that I go. And, and that way I could see all the Westford trips that I have coming up. Um, and whereas with uh, the Inbox app, it puts everything in a way that I'm not used to. And I don't see the value in the bundles the way they're laid out. And so it's like, I'm thinking about uninstalling it. So maybe maybe I'm just looking at it in a weird way or or I, definitely a different way. It sounds like it has to either match your existing workflow or you got to be willing to mess with your workflow uh, to make it fit inbox, right? Yes. Um, which makes sense. Um, I do, I do, uh, I'll go back though. I really do like this, the simpler UI because um, mm -hmm. the UI in Gmail was getting silly, um, mm -hmm. which is there were a bunch of tabs and all that other stuff. So um, I do like that aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 there was uh there's an article that i saw about um why did google decide to split inbox from gmail uh, which i thought was pretty interesting too where um you would think that it's like well why would they do a second email application and why why wouldn't they just update gmail to include it and everything and um and I guess what happened was that the, the redesign resulted in an engineering backlash um, where um, the, the head of the, the Gmail design team made a presentation to, I guess, the engineering people. And the presentation was entitled, You Are Not the User. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, so this is you know typical Google, right? Like all of their decision-making processes are supported by data. And so they, they ran all the analysis. Um, and uh, for all of the design decisions that they've made, um, uh, showing the the data that supported the decisions that they made. Um, so there were things, and and the reason why it was titled uh, "You Are Not the User" is that um, a lot of Gmail users get maybe like five emails a day, whereas a Gmail engineer, you know, you know how it is for us. It's like we live on email lists, and there's just so much stuff coming in, um, and so. Um, uh, you know, they were, they, they were just really, um, um, so they said a typical Googler receives an average of 450 emails a day. Um, many of which were important at least to read with a good chunk of them requiring a reply. And, and so, um, so they, they reached a compromise and they said that, okay, we'll, we'll keep on doing Gmail and we'll, we'll streamline it and optimize it for, the existing user base, it gets maybe like five Gmail messages a day. And then um, uh, the, the Gmail team began working on Inbox, uh, which is for advanced users um, that have that 450 emails coming in a day. And, and that's how Inbox came up. So is the intent to keep them both running in parallel or, uh, or are they eventually going to switch one for the other? I, I have a feeling they might switch one for another, but maybe the Inbox is perceived as too radical for the average Gmail user. And, mm -hmm. and I agree with them. It's like if you are, you know, if you're a Gmail user that gets like five emails a day, probably bundling those five emails doesn't, it's not that useful and it could mm -hmm. be too much overhead. Mm -hmm. um, or in the case of me where it's like I get more than five, but, you know, maybe 10 or 20, but I already have them filtered like crazy uh, that, that come in. Um, uh, pre-filtered um, and where again it's like the overhead of, of the bundles and I already have a workflow it's not that useful 
But if you had, say, like a Google engineer or, um, say, like somebody that works at Red Hat, like, like us, where we have this fire hose, fire hose of email coming in, having it automatically triage it for you so you don't have to set up the filters could mm-hmm. actually be a good thing. Right, right, right. Yep, yep, that's true. That's true. Huh, interesting. Well, also, you know, Google had the, they've obviously got, you know, they opened up the Gmail API, um, mm-hmm. which is conspicuously not IMAP or any other open standard. It's like a Google-specific mail API, um, which I think was sold when they released it. It was sold as a way of allowing third parties to come in and screw around with your email, oh. right? Like do analysis right. and, and whatever else. Um, I'm also noticing that inbox is a departure from, actually, ironically, like inbox as a metaphor. Um, it's actually... M- it starts adding stuff like tasks, right? So you can pin emails to an inbox. Um, you can tell it to sleep an email for a while yes. and then like wake it up again later. And that seems that inbox also seems like an opportunity for Google to leave the traditional like IMAP pop regular like email metaphors uh, and yes. move into a different kind of an email experience. Um, yep. So there's that too, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember the emails we. Uh, or the email API we talked about it where um, you could set it up say like instead of forwarding all your emails your travel emails by name to TripIt uh, through a filter you could just let TripIt make API calls to Google to slurp out the relevant email and then um, have you know, which again would make it easy for the um, pedestrian sort of Gmail user that doesn't know how to set up email filters make it super convenient um, mm-hmm. it, it, in exchange for having letting TripIt make API calls into your inbox, right? And also makes uh, I mean, as if email wasn't important enough, um, this also gives Google the opportunity to uh, get emails tentacles into more of your workflow, right? So if yes. I were to surrender to Inbox and allow Inbox to manage emails as tasks, which actually makes a lot of sense and is more or less what I do anyway, um, mm-hmm. then I would not be able to take my workflow and go and move it to Fastmail or to Yahoo or to, like to any other email provider, right? Um, I would right. more or less be, the, I would be creating a lot of friction um, if, yep. I, if I had to move. Um, so it's also clever that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Crafty, yeah. Crafty. Mm-hmm. Crafty terrorists over there at Google. Uh... All right, Dave. Well, nice little tour of a lollipop and uh, an inbox. Uh, do you any you want to? Any, anything else you want to talk about? No, I, th- I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, great. Uh, well, uh, so Dave, if uh, folks want links uh, to the many many things we discussed today, uh, what uh, what website should they visit? They want to go to dgshow.org. So D is in Dave, G is in Gunner. Show.org. Excellent. Um, and uh, have a great week, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.